to episode two of Escape the Strong Woman Trap. I'm Sasha Mobley. I'm a life coach and author. Thank you for joining me this week. I have to read you a quote from last week's news. This is from Kellyanne Conway. I look at myself as a product of my choices, not a victim of my circumstances. That to me is what conservative feminism, if you will, is all about. Conservative feminism. Hmm, interesting. You know, before Ms. Conway joined the Republican presidential campaign, one of her goals was to bring more women into conservative politics. And so instead, she doubled down on helping an anti-female, anti-choice sex offender into the highest office in the land. What does this tell you about conservative feminism? If her choices, if you will, set women back 50 years by enabling more misogyny, that tells you a great deal about conservative feminism. It's the I've got mine, everyone else is on their own brand of feminism. And casting women as one woman succeeding, no matter what happens to anyone else in her path, this isn't feminism. But I've got to tell you, I see a lot of women denying that their own lives are in any way affected by misogyny or sexism and rejecting the label of feminist because they don't want to identify as victims. I don't know anyone who wants to identify as a victim, but is it possible to acknowledge sexist culture and not be a victim? You know, being a victim implies something happened to you, that somehow you are a passive participant, you know, helpless, but you can do something about sexism. Still, some women, in order to feel they have command of their destiny, pretend sexism doesn't exist, or at least doesn't exist for them. I'm curious what these women are gaining by denying the impact of sexism in their lives. Let's think of sexism as taxation without representation, a burden a whole segment of society must bear with the benefit going elsewhere. Maybe you feel you can afford it, you rationalize it because you're insulated enough by your circumstances, you could pretend it isn't a problem. Still, that is outrageous. It's the same thing as paying extra fees on your cell bill knowing someone else doesn't have to. When you pay too much for something, and someone else is getting a better deal because of their chromosomes, do you feel smart? Do you feel that's righteous to pay more for something when someone else doesn't have to, even if you can bear the expense? Doesn't it bother you even a little bit? This just in from the news. After a former engineer at Uber published a blog post describing her own nightmare after being sexually harassed by her new manager, she reported to HR and was then told her harasser was a high performer and well-liked, and it was his first time that they had ever heard anything about this, so mm, they weren't going to do anything. Now, after this blog post went viral, the CEO of Uber is scrambling to do damage control. He's even brought in former Attorney General Eric Holder and Ariana Huffington, and they're going to do an investigation on how women are treated at his own company. I have got a great idea. How about not enabling this garbage in the first place? 
In the meantime, other women at Uber are coming forward with their own stories about how this wasn't an isolated incident and how many women at the company felt isolated, you know, feeling they failed because they couldn't fit into the programmer culture. Now it looks like maybe it wasn't their failure to perform at all. The really fucked up thing about this scenario is the gaslighting. These women being made to believe that they are crazy when they bring their experiences forward. They get told to build a better relationship with the guy because clearly if you go drinking with him and listen to his very funny jokes, things will be great. You just have to be one of the guys. I mean... If you could get rewarded for denying the existence of the condition that's torturing you, wouldn't you be tempted to go along with whatever? Now, I used to do this. And so when I see other women doing it, I understand how they get sucked in. I got sucked in. And I am not proud of that. Uh, But at the time, being one of the boys seemed like a really great way to get what I wanted. When I was... When I was told more than once that my prospects in the working world as a queer woman were limited, letting men be men, ignoring the things they say, or laughing along, not taking it personally, seemed like an okay trade-off. I'd give shit back twice as hard, and be that little sister, mascot, office wife, and it can be fun, and you do get rewarded for playing along. During that period of my career when I was one of the boys, my career was on an upswing, I was getting opportunities and promotions, and I was doing very well and congratulating myself on not being held back by sexist culture. It didn't seem to be hurting me at all. There was a lot of verbal horseplay at work. We drank together. I heard all their stories about their wives and girlfriends, their sex lives, their complaints. I just absorbed it all. And there was this one guy who just kept trying to get under my skin to see how far he could go with his stupid remarks. It felt like a game at the time because I was verbally very fast on my feet and I had lots of comebacks and I'd let it roll off and tomorrow's another day. Until this one time, and I'm not sure where this came from, but he said, in a post-apocalyptic world, because of my body type, I'd be highly desirable as a sex slave or... Maybe dinner, because I wasn't that old yet, and my marbling would be good. My marbling would be good. You know, I didn't have a comeback for that. I did ask him if he was wondering how far he needed to go before I filed a complaint with HR. And this was a guy I regularly had lunch with. I went drinking with him. He came to my house. He knew I was queer. And I thought we were cool, that I was one of the guys. But I'd be kidding myself if I said I didn't see this coming, because every joke was permission. I didn't know that at the time. I thought I was one of the guys. Needless to say, the HR remark uh, made him freak out. He apologized a thousand times, tried to be cool again. But after that, I knew I couldn't just be one of the guys again. And even in recent years, when... Office diplomacy breaks down. I've been advised, hey, if you can just get to know them, be one of the guys, things would be easier. Uh, But for me, that's just like being offered tequila after a hangover. Um, It just makes me want to throw up. Selling yourself out to get along. (sighs) 
what was really ugly to recognize that going along with all of this, I was hurting other women with that. I was making it a lot harder for women who did not want to be one of the guys who just wanted to go to work and not be bothered by this. If you're still pretending that sexism doesn't touch you, no matter how entrenched you feel, you are not one of the guys. It's impossible to be your true self when you're authorizing your own subjugation. You know, my mission in life is a mission of self-respect, which is a radical thing in a culture that rewards silence and blending in. If fitting in gets you the lifestyle you fantasize about, but you recognize yourself less and less, you've missed the mark. Um, there is another way. Being a feminist does not make you a victim. And I want you to be a full person and to have a seat at the table as a full person. And anyone who suggests that you pipe down, blend in, laugh along, even if it means great rewards short term, whoever's doing that isn't rooting for you as a whole person. So here's an experiment to try instead. Amplification. You might have heard of the way female Obama staffers enabled each other to be heard. Instead of chasing their male colleagues and asking, please include me, these women agreed that in meetings when they heard their female colleagues being interrupted or spoken over, that they would speak up and say, I want to hear what she has to say. So instead of being one of the boys, go make partnerships in your life. At work, wherever you congregate, go make partnerships with other women. Make a pact that you will enable each other. Make a pact that when you make a move ahead, it will open the way for them too. And make a pact that when you see the gaslighting happening, that you will speak up and say, I see what is happening right here. This is not right. Speak up on sexism. We all have to. More news. Next Wednesday, March 8th, is International Women's Day. It's also the Day Without Women, a general strike to highlight what the working world would be like without women contributing. Be sure to wear something red and take the day off. More news. I uh, just heard from my printer that the Strong Woman Trap is going to be... I'm going to have my first box of books in a few weeks. And if you'd like to get a copy before it hits the bookstores in September, write me at sasha at sashamobley.com. That's S-A-S-H-A at S-A-S-H-A-M-O-B-L-E-Y dot com. And tell me what your plans for the Day Without Women are going to be. I'm going to be doing a mini podcast next week. And if I use your plans in the podcast, I will send you a signed copy of Strong Woman Trap with my compliments. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back with new episodes on March 8th and March 15th. Thanks. To learn more about me or get information on my book, The Strong Woman Trap, go to sashamobley.com. That is S-A-S-H-A-M-O-B-L-E-Y.com or strongwomantrap.com. Technical direction was provided by Amazing Andrea. Amazing Andrea nurtures exceptional entrepreneurs by using technology to work smarter. Connect with her at amazingandrea.com. 
Music for Escape the Strong Woman Trap is provided by Zoe Leela through a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. Save, save, save me.